Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And we're, uh, we're back. We're back with a live interview. Uh, we do still exist. I promise you that. Uh, the sun's back. I'm back, I guess. Cameron Cameron was here last time. Uh, he did a really good job filling in for us. Appreciate everybody tuning in today. And if you're a new listener, uh, appreciate you subscribing and, and playing some past episodes and, and sharing those with some folks that you know. We've had a lot of had, had the opportunity to have a lot of really great guests on the podcast, uh, passed along a lot of really great info. Uh, no pressure, Ryan, but we plan on doing the exact same thing today. So our guest today, well, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself, Ryan Hoffman uh, and uh, with ProAgrica, and I'll let you give your kind of a bio for us, Ryan. Yep. So thanks, Adam. Yep. Ryan Hoffman, um, Territory Manager for ProAgrica. I've been with the company for about uh, four years this summer. Prior to that, I spent uh, a little over 12 years in ag-retail. Um, I'm a uh, Central Illinois native, so grew up on a, on a family farm, still farm today. Uh, went to school for agronomy, got a background in agronomy, and um, all told, I've worked in agronomy and precision agronomy specifically for 16 years. You're not an old fella, Ryan, so that sounds like about about as long as you've been out of school. That's, that's exactly <laughs> as long as I've been out of school. So. If my math adds up, right? You're, you're, you're dead on there. So I think uh, I graduated from college and I took a week off and then went to work. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, you got a week off? Yeah. That's a heck of a deal. So give us a little background on, on ProAgrica. Um, and I know you, you mentioned that you you know worked in ag retail and, and done the precision ag thing. So I, I assume it has to do with that, but uh, go ahead and give us some background there. Yeah. ProAgrica is a, a relatively new name to kind of the North American market. Um, probably the, 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 you know, it's, it's a, a company that's owned by Relix, which is a multinational out of, out of the UK. And uh, the ProAgrica division is obviously with, with ag and names, you know, specifically centered on, on ag and, and ag technology. And, um, you know, that, that company was built through a number of acquisitions. The best known one in, you know, uh, in this part of the world is SST Software. Mm-hmm. from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, it's probably going to be the one that, you know, is the most familiar throughout the Midwest. Uh, that's kind of how I got my my start with Briarca. I was a longtime SSD customer, um, kind of looking to do something different. And, and this job came up and decided to, to take this opportunity. So it's been a, you know, a nice transition to, to continue to work with people that I'd work with as a customer for a long time and, and now they're co-workers and, and continue to, um, you know, work in that precision agronomy space and, and help companies like MFA and in that uh, precision space, making recommendations and working with growers and collecting data and just trying to, to you know, add as much, uh, much inf- bring as much information and, and give as much detail back to, to growers and agronomists as we can. Yeah. And that's awesome. It's, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept and it's, it's an interesting flow from kind of where it started, you know, back in the day to, to where we're at. Yep. Now, absolutely. Um, obviously, those companies that were uh, kicking off back in that time frame, a lot of them may look a little different or have a different name now. The idea was obviously sound, and and moving forward, will will certainly continue to be. And I think you've got enough history uh, from a from a farm data standpoint that we can we can kind of go into this. But 
you know, I know you worked in ag retail and, and, and Cameron obviously has too, but for you guys kind of what, what's the first thing that, that you kind of remember from a, a data collection standpoint, what were some of the first things that, that folks started actually storing uh, via software and, and then utilizing at a later, later date? I've been doing this long enough to go back to, you know, Ag Leaders YM 2000s, you know, and, and having to go to the machine and pull the physical card mm-hmm. out, um, you know, hoping that the battery in, in those, um, the names escaping me, but those, you know, those cards in those YMs had, had a battery inside of them. That's how they stored the data. <laughs> and, um, you know, taking that back to the office and running it through, you know, an ARC process and, you know, using GIS software and, yep. and uh, really, you know, bringing in yield data and, and trying to, to, to correlate it going back to, you know, when we didn't really have GPS, you still had machines that were running off of the Coast Guard beacon. And yep. um, so, yeah, even in, in kind of in the grand scheme of things and in what you could still call a, a relatively short career, I've seen it go from as far back as, you know, like I said, the early 2000s and being about as complicated as it could to where we are today with, you know, wireless data transfer and right. literally seeing data stream in live. And, and it's been, you know, the last 10 years especially has been just kind of this phenomenal growth and, and really interesting time to be in, you know, uh, like I said, I, I did a lot, I've done a lot of things in precision space, used to install equipment. I remember when it was a big deal to put in a yield monitor or to put in auto steer and, and you just, you order a new tractor, doesn't matter what color it is. It's, it's got everything in it and it's, yeah. it's been, been an interesting, interesting ride so far. So, and I think when you start talking about precision ag, I think a lot of folks kind of generally are going to think equipment and that, that mm-hmm. hardware yep. monitor system. Um, kind of run me how, how you guys kind of link up to those or, or what, maybe what some of the differences are in a, in a software-based company mm-hmm. versus a, a hardware. I guess you mentioned ag leaders. So we can, we yep. can use that as an example versus a hardware-based company, which is what I, you know, I would consider ag leader. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, like I said, ag leader, deer, case, you yep. know, any of them, precision planning, you know, their their goal is is to put the systems and the sensors and to collect data at the field level, and that is that is absolutely important. That's that's critical to to you know really anything in the precision ag realm. What we do is take it the next step up. Um, you know, we don't we are a software company. We're a software and a data transfer company. That's what we do. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, I mentioned Relics at the beginning of this. So Relics has multiple business units, but that's kind of the model globally is, um, you know, how to interact with data and connect, you know, users and people and companies and, and platforms. And that's really what we do. So, you know, we, we ideally, we take data, whether it's like I said, come from ag leader, come from deer, climate, whomever, and we ingest that and bring it into our platform, which in the agronomy space is, is the Cirrus platform and allow uh, agronomists, you know, the, like the ones that work here at MFA to interact with that via the agronomy dashboard mm-hmm. and to make recommendations. Um, our goal at ProAgca has, has always been going back to the, the early days of SST from the mid nineties, early nineties up until today is uh, we're, we're not out to replace agronomists. We're not out to do anything other than give that agronomist additional tools and a new way to look at the data and interact with it so they can you know take that information that's been gleaned from the field level, be it a, a, a planning monitor, um, as applied data from you know a sprayer or a spreader, 
yield data and and deliver that back into you know kind of actual insights back to the, the agronomist and the grower yeah I, I i think you hit on something really critical is you know over the years we've built a lot of data we started to collect a lot of data and you know all these companies are coming out and they're they're already prepped and collecting all this data, but how are we, how do we utilize this data? How do we get it in a usable form? And I think that's really where you guys, like product and software companies is that, is, is allowing us to be able to take all this data that we're collecting mm-hmm. and put it into a system that allows us to be, have it manageable and usable to be able to help make a recommendation. So it's not replacing agronomists and those guys doing it, but it's a tool to be able to understand what the hell we're pulling from yeah. this, hardware and you being able to utilize it yeah it's it's been like i said from kind of the you know you you go back to the start of my career and the issue in the beginning was we had softwares whether it was sst summit or you know you have ag leaders sms product or um john deere's old apex program and things like that we had these softwares that could ingest data but we lacked the actual physical data to do anything with right and the equipment manufacturers, you know, kind of took that uh, notice. And I mean, now you can, like I said, you can collect yield data almost row by row. You can, we can certainly collect planning data row by row. We can collect downforce data. We can collect, you know, chemistry data from, you know, a spray or self-propelled or, or whatever. And you start to mix that in with stuff that comes from drones and imagery. And we, we have this plethora of data out there now. And so now it's, we've gone the other direction we've we've overwhelmed agronomists we've overwhelmed growers we've overwhelmed everyone with here it all is and it's 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 gotten to the point where it's too much for you know the human mind to simply just sift through and and so that's our goal with at proagra is okay let's let's pull all that data in let's get it in one house let's uh, we have a standardization process to get it you know so um, you know, I always use the nomenclature for like seed varieties. You know, sometimes there's a dash in the middle, sometimes there's not. There's there's a hundred ways to name the same seed variety that as an individual you can look at and you read and go, okay, I know that's the same corn hybrid. Um, software doesn't look at it that way. You know, it's it's all in the background zeros and ones. And so it makes a difference, you know, without the dash in the middle, it, there's a different interpretation. So we walk everything through this standardization process so we can, we can, display that back to you so you can go, okay, this is what's going on in this field and, and then make a decision of what adjustments you make from there. Yeah, I think there's a happy medium that is yet to be found. So all the data collection is great, but in, you know, in my mind, I guess it, it has to have some utility, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're collecting a lot of data that's, that's good to storage. So it's, a, it's an event storage, yep. right? We, we know we can go back and we look we can trace when we did something and what we did, um, but then there's a lot of other things that doesn't have a lot of current utility, I guess. So, you know, mm-hmm. we need to store that, but we need to look at these things and, and trying to parse all that out yep. um, is definitely a, a certainly a challenge these days with, with as much data that we're collecting out there. So I guess that leads me to kind of what I'd put as, as our next question for you, but which which one of those data sets do you think is is kind of the most vital from a from an operation standpoint? What data do you guys manage? I guess I'll put it that way that you that you see as most vital, you know, for the for the retailer and for the grower uh, on their side of things. Um, I mean, so we manage everything from from soil test data. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a Cirrus mobile product that you can use on a, an iOS device. There's an Android version of it. 
you can take to the field, you can collect, you know, soil samples with it, pass that off to the lab, um, and have, you know, via a set of APIs and data streams back into our platform from any number of, of labs. Um, certainly you guys with MFA, uh, you know, use Midwest labs when we've got the integration with them and it, you know, it works pretty clean to bring that data back in and, and have it in a house that you can start making, you know, uh, actionable decisions on. I think when you can couple soil test information, you know, and have that kind of base layer fertility data and start to combine that with, uh, you know, harvest data. Mm -hmm. I, I think those are probably the two. I mean, obviously they can work independently of one another, but when you start to, to link those together mm -hmm. and make those decisions, I mean, because, you know, anybody that's that's worked in ag can see it. There's there's always that part of the field that the fertility test says it should it should perform better than it does, but it never does. There's there's something else, or you know, vice versa. There's a, uh, an area of the field that always tech, you know by by every measure outperforms what it should based on the soil test. And and I think yeah. the combination of those two data sets together um, is is really critical because then it's then we can start layering you know, as applied data on it and working with other partners in the industry, whether it's nitrogen modeling or, um, you know, the different universities out there to, to arrive at those those key fertilizer recommendations and be as efficient with NP or K as you can yeah. be. And obviously in the environment we've, we're in today, where fertilizer prices are at, that is, there's probably nothing more critical than not wasting a, a ton of pot, for sure so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that was a bit of a loaded question um because i always kind of look back at, at everything we collect and i know you know i think you hit the nail on the head from the retailer side of things and and the way we like to look at fields and, and fertility data and, and soil mapping and all those kind of things i think from the grower side it was almost like a light switch when um when everybody started adopting logged yield mm -hmm. data yep i think that one thing probably changed um, the way most growers view their operation and more specifically probably manage their operation mm -hmm. than, than almost anything else. Um, yep. You know, we always at the end of the year would, you know, you'd figure up settlement sheets or whatever from, mm -hmm. from the elevator and say, well, you know, this field did better than that field. But when you start looking at those, that instant feedback um, on, on yield, I think it really spurs a lot of management decisions. So I think, I mean, I think it spurs decisions from, like you said, from, from fertility management, you know, all the way to, you know, things like tile. Yeah. You know, it, cause you, you may have had that part of the field and, ah, and you, you always know it's wet, right? It's, it's that back, you know, 20 mm -hmm. acres, we've always known it's wet. It's always been wet and you've always assumed you know, and, in, and obviously if you're a grower and you've run a machine for a long time, you can, you can hear it, you know, when the combine goes through, you know, there's less corn or sure. whatever running yeah. through there. But all of a sudden when you look at it and go, wow, that's a 30 bushel swing. Yeah. Well, then that phone call to the tile guy is not as, as daunting as you thought because yeah. there is an instant return. Yes. Yeah. And I do think, you know, precision, I think precision ag in general has has started us all down the path of just being more efficient you know it's okay let's maximize what that acre is capable of and and recognize that not all acres are created equal yep yeah i think the other critical thing is too when we think about precision and trying to be more efficient is sometimes i think guys we think about precision ag as being more efficient well we're going to buy less inputs 
I think it's critical to make sure we understand that that's not necessarily okay. Just because we're being critical, we're, we're utilizing precision ag. That means, well, my total fertilizer cost is going to go down because I'm going to be buying less. Yeah, that's not necessarily true. But it's not necessarily that you're going to be buying more either. It's just we're going to be placed. We're going to have the ability to place that fertility where it needs instead mm -hmm. of um, just throwing it out and not utilizing. Yeah. The good, the good, and the bad parts of the fields. No, I, I think the key to it is has always been, and this is you know kind of what I preached when I work with growers, and and it is. It's not about reduce. Now, it may lead to reduction, and that's all well and good, and that's right. fine. Um, but it goes back to you know again, you know, when you get into agronomy and start talking about the four R's, it really is about it happening in the right place at the right time. That's right. And, uh, you know, your, your total tonnage may not change, but if all of a sudden those tons are where they need to be and across the, across the farm, you gain three, five, six bushels. Well, then that was worth, you know, shuffling <laughs> the fertilizer around. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, yep. in a lot of cases, maybe better than, just dropping your your fertilizer cost by five percent. Yep. Yep. I that's, agree. That's right. So let's go into to some of the data sharing stuff. You you've touched on this a little bit, um, but with all you know, we kind of covered all the different kinds of hardware out there, and 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 even software and, and data portals. And my gosh, if I see another one, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, there's there's a two word term that everybody hates in your realm of things, which it's which is double entry. Yeah. So how um, how do you guys work around that, and how do you make connections with all of those different entities or, or software, hardware, all those different things, and make all that work? Yeah. So you know, one of the acquisitions that Prior had made prior to the SST acquisition even um, was a company called F4F, and that's really what they do. I mean, they're a, they're a data transmission and API company. Of course, they're they're part of Prior now. So tell me what API stands for. For folks who don't know, it's just an automated set of protocols to okay. pass data back and forth between essentially okay. one server network and another. Okay. So in this case, um, you know, I mentioned we've got an API between us and, and say Midwest Lab System, mm -hmm. um, and and really what it is is it's it's a set of protocols and standards that let two two separate uh, programs talk to one another. Yep. Mm -hmm. And an API really just kind of acts as an, an interchange or an ex, you know a data exchange point. Um, and we've got, we've built those connections out to, you know, the, the bulk of the industry. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we can pass data directly from the, the mobile app to, to my John Deere for, to, you know, to make an application. And we can do the same thing with Raven Slingshot. Um, we're in the process of building out kind of what we call like a connection hub. And really what that's designed to do is help us connect to all the third parties out there. Um, in reality, we, you know, we recognize this and, and it doesn't matter whether it's one of our competitors or one of our partners in the industry, we've all come to the conclusion and, and rightfully so that you can't be all things to everybody. It's, mm. it's not, um, it's, it's not feasible. Um, and it makes, it really doesn't make any sense. We're, we're never going to do what John Deere does. John Deere's not going to do what we do, but there is a need for the agronomist and the grower to have those, those two companies work together and have that data intersect. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, that's been the, the kind of the emphasis that we've had going forward is, okay, we need to make sure we've got a, a more robust integration with my John Deere. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, if MFA is using it across your fleet, great. If you've got growers who are using it, fantastic. 
Um, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, again, we kind of, we as a company hold the same, the same view. Um, I'm all for a grower collecting data with whatever they're comfortable with. If that means you collect it in your, in my John Deere, cause you've got deer equipment. Fantastic. If you've got, you know, Raven stuff on the farm connected through Raven system, if you're running climate, absolutely. Um, the more data you can collect at the field level and get back to, to ProAgrica as well as, you know, our, our partner agronomists in the industry, then the, the more value is to you. And so really that's kind of what we've been working on the last, oh, six, eight months to a year. Um, again, like I said, more robust integration with deer. Uh, once that one's complete, climate will be the next on the list. Ag leader is, you know, in there. Um, Raven. Uh, Case is kind of working on a, a platform that'll be, you know, a similar cloud-based uh, data center, mm-hmm. um, just like, you know, Deer's got. And, and once they've got that up and running, we'll integrate with it. And then in, in addition to that, you know, to bring in that, that data from the grower level and bring it into our, our system, well, we want to allow you as, you know, MFA to interact with the other tools that the industry offers, be it, um, uh, you know, whether it's recommendations from, from different uh, manufacturers, whether it's recommendations from um, different labs or universities, uh, you know, Yara's Adapt-In product that's out there, which is a nitrogen modeling tool, is one that, you know, we're, we're pretty well down the path of, of having that integration bill. So rather than, you know, making Cameron or Adam here use multiple platforms to, to derive a, a nitrogen model or recommendation, we simply take the data that's already been collected in our platform. We pass it off to AdaptIn. They run their their algorithms and, and all the wonderful research and, and you know investment they've made into that model. And then they they in turn pass that back to us, you know, via via our programs, you know, so that you guys can interact with it. And and that's yeah. really kind of what we're we're about. Um, you know, the the Cirrus platform, the agronomy dashboard. That's a tool. Um, but we also recognize that it's, it's not, it can't be everything to everybody, but there are companies out there that have built things that are fantastic tools and, and we want to help our users interact with those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, and just most industries as a whole spend a lot of time, everybody building the same thing mm-hmm. when it's like, if the wheel already exists, and, let's and just figure out how to better utilize it. You know, going back to kind of when I started, you know, and then through the mid 2000s, we went through about, I don't know, it seemed like a five to seven year period where that was what everybody was doing. Everybody was building the same tools and it's, you know, okay, well, you were, you were first in the market, you know, Cameron built something and it was great and everybody loved it. And Adam came along and said, I'm going to do the same thing because I want it for my market share. And, and it, it, it slowed progress down yeah. because it, in reality, you should have been doing something. I mean, there's other things that you've right. had ideas about, but we played this weird game of, of everybody trying to catch up or, or or jump on the same concept. And it just, it drug things on longer than they should have. But, you know, certainly as a company, we've, we've seen past that and we're like, we're not, um, you know, I, I do get the question from time to time, you know, deer's got their, you know, integrated system to pass data from the machine to the cloud. Uh, climate came out with the puck. Um, there's been some other company, you know, farm mobile and others have done things of that nature. And, you know, we get asked and I get asked, all right, are you guys going to do anything like that? No, that's not, we're not a hardware company. 
Um, right. There are a, a you know multitude of those type of solutions out there. By all means, pick one you like, use it, and if we don't already work with that company, we'll figure it out how to work with that company. Because that's like I said, our our end goal is to to connect those you know connect the industry and um, you know make that data usable. So you mentioned a few things, some of the innovations of, of fairly recent times here. What do you, what do you think in the last handful of years here has kind of been the biggest innovation? Is it is it kind of that broad scale collection of data, or I'm leading you on here a little bit because I I have an answer to this this question, which is why I wrote it down. But uh, <laughs> but I'm definitely interested. Without leading you on too far, what what's your answer to kind of what the biggest innovation of recent has been? You know, I I think from Kind of my seat, I do think of these, all these wireless data transfer options have been fantastic. You know, we kind of started this and I made a comment about going and getting YM2000 yeah. cards. and Or the uh, giant boxes and satchels full of junk, or of uh, USB drives. Yeah, that, and, and you know, I, I remember I used to keep, a, uh, when, I, when I did a lot of that work, I, I mean, I had a, a, a bag and you know, that I kept in my truck and it was, there were probably 30 or 40 different USB drives in there. And I'd take a, like a paint stick and write, mm-hmm. okay, this is for Charles and this is for Bill and this is for Bob and, and, you know, and try to keep, keep all that separate, you know, yep. just cause you run out of storage and, and it was, that was a nightmare. Um, yep. You know, you inevitably would get a call from a grower and you'd get there and you'd say, oh yeah, come, you know, come get the data, the field's done and you get there and there'd still be, 32 rows standing. Okay, we're well, not done. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, if, you know, a couple acres, you can you can fill in the gaps, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's it, that was a, just a never-ending process. Or the, the two combine thing where you had to... <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, you know, the, the days of, I've got two combines and one's a gleaner and one's a deer. And yeah, yeah. Here, you figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's that's been the biggest thing too, and uh, the the cloud based sharing of everything. I, I really think has changed has changed the ball game significantly in those yeah. in those regards, and our ability to have the bandwidth and the internet connectivity at at retail locations and and down all the way to at the farm level to be able to to yeah. transmit back and forth. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, if you think about it, in in the time scale of things, it's fairly recent development, really. Right. Yeah, and I think I mean that all plays into the integration process, like you were saying, Ryan. It's just the wireless wireless transfer of this data, but then having it integrated with John Deere Op Center, mm-hmm. Climate, all those. I mean, I think those two go hand in hand together. Just the, building upon those. I mean, those are going to be the most critical things that definitely have came, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, like I said, when we build these connections and do these integrations, it, it's, you know, it's kind of the, the principle of, of a lever, you know, just lets you do more right. with, with out some of the extra, I don't want to say work, because it's still work and it still takes effort, but it, it's streamlining it. And, you know, if you're a, you're an agronomist, you know, your, your time's best spent doing the work as opposed to, okay, I've got to drive 30 miles one way to get a USB stick. Yes. And you can drive back and hope right. it worked. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, because inevitably there's there's always that time where you make that trip and you get back and something just didn't load right for whatever reason. Um, 
and kind of that that goes a little bit along with it. You know, the manufacturers done a really good job of, uh, you know, doing better data capture at the field level and and passing that up to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we we get less errors, we get less glitches. There's less time spent cleaning data, yes, which right. has always been yep. um, a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, and you think about just the efficiency of it. I mean, you know. And we, I mean, we started off this conversation about all the data that's been collected, how, how we really, you know, try to collect data from that aspect. Well, when we're running USB drives and all that, if you got a prescription out to one of our spreader guys and that wasn't working, yeah. he calls in and says, hey, okay, well, I got to redo the prescription. Give me an hour because, and then at that point they're mm-hmm. like, screw it. I don't want to mess with it. We're just going to do this. Well, then you've lost that data collection point. Yeah. Um, because... You just you didn't want to waste that time because you were trying to get across acres. You want to be more efficient. Yeah, well, this whole aspect has allowed us to be more efficient because now you can say, "Hey, let me redo the wreck. Five minutes is going to be transferred over there, and we're yeah." Well, and we've we've all seen it. I mean, how many times has you know the whole day been shot because you've got an operator in the field and he's just trying to spread spread line. Yeah, and the you know, the VRT file is bad. Yeah. And that's, and that's not to blame anyone or any component. That's part of, of software and, and data in general. Every now and then you're going to have, um, there's something's going to go wrong. I mean, that's just technology. It's, it's a given. But, you know, if you've got to make a, an hour round trip to get him a new file, well, that's, it could have been done and moved on to the next field. And sure. Lord only knows what happens when, um, you know, kind of the, the best laid plans just go to pot right off the bat. And it, it never fails. It's never the last field of the day. It's always, that's right. you know, that field that they're going to start at 630 because we want to get spread before the frost is out of the ground. And Yeah, yeah. And now they're, you know, 200 acres behind the eight ball for the, the, the rest of the week. Yep. Or you're in Missouri, so you don't know what the weather's going to be. So you're trying to get ahead before the next set of rain comes. And... Well, I mean, I you know, it, you guys can lay claim to that, but... You know, we've got a, a saying in Illinois, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. So oh. it's, I think just a Midwestern trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so I, I asked you about kind of the biggest innovation recently. Uh, what's the next thing on the horizon that you see um, kind of being being one of those, again, that game changer moment um, a little bit? Um, I would I would probably say I think the next, um, you know, as we build out, we're building out an analytics platform mm-hmm. to really start layering multiple layers of data and build a drill down through that. And that comes back to, to kind of our standardization process. You know, once your data is standardized, then you can start comparing it field by field, region by region, state by state, and and drive, you know, back to and find out where your big trends are. And there's been companies that have done analytics, but you inherently run into different issues based on different platforms. SST had an analytics platform and over years ago. It was was based on some existing software out there from a, from another vendor. It caused issues in how we intersected points. Um, you know, that's one of the things that's always interesting about ag compared to other industries. You know, if you're talking about finance or the stock market or medical, you know, any number of, of other issues out there, none of the data they deal in spatial. Um, right. Everything we do in ag has a spatial component. I mean, you can even take sure. it back to the you know, your accounting system. Okay, well, you bought X number of tons, but those tons were applied by acres. Yeah. And 
spatial, um, you know, we, we kind of always just joke internally and say spatial is hard. And it's, it is, it is and it isn't. It's not that it's, it's necessarily dramatically harder than anything else, but it is different and does add another component to, to how you interpret the world, um, you know. Yeah, well, the spatial part of it, I mean, that's the value. That's what adds the value. To, Absolutely. To ag. Otherwise, it's just a spreadsheet, you know. You know, and, and <laughs> it, you're right. And, and so what we're trying to do, and really the goal of all ag analytics is, is okay, how do we take, you know, essentially two-dimensional data or three-dimensional data and let you visualize it in a two-dimensional sense and then turn around and make recommendations back in a, in a three-dimensional sense. Right. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, about just the overwhelming amount of data we've got coming from, you know, the OEMs and machines at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's that concept of, okay, let's ingest it all. Let's put this back out in graphs and charts and different visualizations that helps, you know, the end user interpret what's going on and make decisions off of. Yes. It's, it's not this concept of, oh, we glean this insight. We're going to tell you what to do. Right. It's here's what we see and here's some trend lines that intersect that maybe you didn't realize, you know, it could be insect pressure with, you know, weather, any number of things and and feed that back to you and go, you know, so that way in the future you can look at it and go, okay, I know based on this trend line in years past when we've had these type of weather events, we've run in these issues after the fact. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, you mentioned all the data collection, um, all the OEMs, the amount of data we collect and store. Um, and I'm going to lead you a little bit with this with this question or thought too. Um, do you think this is kind of setting us up for the path of autonomy, or uh, how do you think those things play together? Autonomy from the machine sense. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, both both the machine and, and reduction in labor sense. I mean, we're, we're obviously headed on this path towards autonomous machines in some capacity. Sure. Um, I don't think there's any denying that. And I think the labor piece is driving that. It's, it's hard to find it's good definitely. help. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find qualified people. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find people that you trust with a half million dollar piece of equipment. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we've seen it in the auto industry and whether it's self-driving cars or self-driving tractors or whatever, I, I do think we're headed down that path. It's still, there's still the human elements required. You know, it doesn't matter if, if you, your tractor is being steered by a set of cameras and GPS and an algorithm um, from wherever. That's all well and good, but the, the decision as to what that machine's doing is still going to go back to that human interpretation. Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, the better, you know, we talked about internet getting faster and is, is uh, cellular service and things like that improve. Yeah. I think that opens the door to uh, more autonomous decisions um, in, in making decisions quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I just, I think that those stacked layers mm-hmm. um, that we've accumulated over decades lead us down that path a little bit in the fact that um, for, from that machine's standpoint, you know, there's more to go on there, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, and there's, um, there's just more background, the more background we have, 
you know, the more it allows for something like that, the more stacked connections we have, the more it allows for something like that. I know that's not the end goal. It's just, I, you know. No, but I mean, I think of, you know, when you, when you think of what we do and you think of production agriculture or ag, the industry in general, and think about kind of like a, I guess the analogy we use, like a staircase. So every time someone brings something new to the market and we can connect that to what we've done historically, it's, it's one more step. And to yep. continue to, to take us up a, a level and improve and just try to do better. Um, you know, I'm a big believer. Like I said, I've, I've got a, a background as an agronomist. I, I'm still a big believer in that ag is, is an art. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's still more art than science. But every bit of science we can give back to the user, like I said, whether it's the grower, whether it's the agronomist, whomever, to make a decision... Not that we're taking the art out of it, like I said, taking the human element out of it, but it's, again, how much can we give you as much data as we can in a usable form to make those decisions? Yeah, it's a, that's an awesome analogy. What you're, you're not taking the art out of it. You still have to have the human that drives that decision. What we don't have, we just don't have that many artists. And, and we have to, we've yep. got like, that one guy has to scale, right? Yeah. And so, like, when he makes the decision that, yep, this field is ready to plant, like we can't have him out there running a four row planner. Um, like it's just, or if, if it is, that's autonomous that runs 24 hours a day yep. and he's making that decision on another field, 10 miles down the road, hundred miles down the road. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that's where we're headed as far as just humans making the decision, but, but machines we're going to the work. Machines are going to have to do the work. Yeah, that's right. Which is, I mean, it's a path we've been on forever like it or not yeah you it's know. a path we've been on forever so and, and it's not it's not a negative it's just a reality yeah yeah i'd agree i thought maybe you were going to go down the whole different path of autonomous stuff and you were wanting to use all these data layers to make decisions for you on which hybrids or what decisions from that i know that we've had this conversation off we have had this conversation of having a logic sense so and i and i think utilizing all these data layers to help you make decisions i, mean, I think i think we built i mean we are building on that and in a roundabout way i mean he basically that's laid right. the groundwork for that He's, that's right i mean I, I this is where we're still recording right okay so <laughs> i mean i heard him say that that our you know our vision is to take take the day or take the data in the background and and through charts or graphs or interpretations uh, mm-hmm. make make it easier to yes. make inferences from that data yeah. and to me that's what something like what we talked about is that's what that's doing right um, that's exactly what we're describing is is taking all of that background data we've got you know management history we've got tillage history we've got soil history for um, I mean, just think 10 years from now, how much history we will have on some fields. Mm-hmm. Like how many times has that field been planted to corn that we have, we have the full cycle of everything. Yep. And the more of that we have, the more we learn and, and can, you know, just, we can literally almost spatially vary everything across that field. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, depending on who you talk to, you know, it varying and, and changing your, your down pressure across the field, how, yeah. you know, important that is. Um, you know, there's certainly things that can be derived from that. Yeah. You know, it's been proven. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's not about taking the agronomist out of the process. It's not about taking the art out of it. The problem we've created, um, and this is kind of one of those, you know, self-inflicted wounds, so to speak, is where we've gone in the, in the industry by creating so much data at the field level 
it's gotten to the point where it's it's too much for an individual to sift through. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. an agronomist and you're with multiple growers and growers continue to get bigger, um, you know, a guy that 20 years ago might have managed 30 accounts and 20,000 acres, well, he might still be managing 30 accounts, but it's not 20,000, it's 40 or 50,000 yep. acres now. Right. And again, that's a that's the trend line. It, and I'm not going to sit here and say whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. It just is what it is. Yep. And within that, you know, if you're a grower that's farming 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 acres, one, you're farming vastly more than probably anyone in your family's ever farmed at that point. You know, so you're, the grower level, the management's gotten harder. Um, I think just in the, the, the area we've found ourselves in recent years, you know, the commodities have not, you know, for a long time, the price of corn didn't really ever move. Mm-hmm. Um, it moves a lot anymore. The price of fertilizer used to be pretty flat. It, it's not the case anymore. Um, you know, growers have a million things on their plate to manage today and they're under more scrutiny than they've ever been under. And, you know, they need trusted advisors like you guys with MFA to, to help them. And, and you've got to be able to do that in an efficient manner, because if you're not efficient, then one, you're, it's not going to be sustainable. Um, and, and two, uh, you know, there, there are 24 hours a day, but you can't spend all 24 hours just going through maps and trying to make decisions. Um, <laughs> no. That leads to a level of insanity that yeah. a few of us in the industry know about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a select handful. Yeah. Oh, Lockings. man. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Well, Ryan, what did we miss? What did we not cover that, that you wanted to make sure you talked about um, while we were still recording today? You know, like I said, we, we kind of covered, you know, what our purpose in the industry is and what our goal is. Um, you know, we talked about who we are as a company, which, uh, like I said, um, we continue to grow. I will kind of mention this because it'll be something you'll see in our products as we move forward here. Uh, last February, March, um, we acquired, acquired CDMS. Um and CMS, for those of you who don't know, is a is a database company, much like what the the rest of the product model is. But they they specialize in um, kind of label checking, and uh, they they do a lot of work out in the California market where it's a, it's heavily regulated. Um, as much as I hate to say to say it, uh, in in kind of the greater Corn Belt, we've for a long time not been pressed with a lot of regulations. Mm-hmm. Again, I hate to say this, but I think we all agree that government doesn't usually go backwards. They tend to go forward and find new ways to write new laws. Yeah, yep. and um, I think we're I think we're seeing that with the enlist products. Yeah, we're certainly we've we've seen certainly seen it. You know, with with the enlist products. Um, you know, I I kind of you know personal note there when, when guys first started complaining about dicamba drift on beans, um, I, I almost had to laugh to myself because I remember years ago when everybody sprayed Banville on corn and everybody's beans were cupped and dinged and right. nobody thought anything about it. Well, <laughs> that was back when nobody, you know, got too worried about beans and it was, ah, they'll come out of it and, and go on with life. But, um, yeah, that type of stuff, uh, you know, whether it's carbon markets or, uh, nitrogen or phosphate shut up the waterways, whatever it is, there's going to be continuing to be additional regulation. And, CDMS allows us to incorporate their, you know, their tools and their their rules engines into to the, the Sears product line and an agronomy dashboard to be able to do quick checks. Hey, is this, you know, and really it, it's a system of, you know, if an agronomist makes a recommendation on a particular crop, 
is, um, and we've all unfortunately seen this, oops, we, we sprayed Roundup on a Liberty-only bean. Yep. Just because, you know, whatever, it happens. Um, so whether it's something as simple as that or, or simply checking, yep, this is, you're within, you're within the application rate, you know, if, if you stay at this level. So we'll, we'll have that in the future and, um, and kind of to continue to integrate and build on those products and, and kind of keep moving forward. Awesome. Yeah. I think I was going to say, I think that's, I think that's pretty critical that you brought that up, Ryan is because, I mean, I feel like a lot of our conversation when we were talking about data transfer and I mean, a lot of that goes based on the fertility and the yield, yield aspect of that. We didn't really necessarily talk about the fact that, we also utilize this as agronomist for mm-hmm. our scouting program yep. and management pieces of that. And that's where the CDMS will really, yeah. it's going to be able to really be integrated in is being able to help do checks for when we're making herbicide programs and recommendations from that. We can have a, another yep. way to check those yeah. absolutely um, in our systems. Yep. yep. So I like it. Ryan, thanks for sitting down with us today. Yeah. Appreciate it, yeah. man. Thanks for having me. Good conversation. Appreciate you being here and certainly appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk at you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.